happens to all of us. Okay. Um, <laughs> thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Can you please give a brief background about yourself before starting Shaper 3D? Um, sure. So um, I'm the founder and the CEO of Shaper. Um, I've been Why am I saying Shaper 3D all the time? Because that's the name of the company. Yeah, I'll just move along with Shaper. Uh, we it's just better. like to, you know, sometimes we just uh, like to uh, use it short for like. Dude, it doesn't have to be 3D. Right? Exactly. Yeah, but well, that was the only domain that was free. True, by true, the time. true. So you know how it works. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, so I, I, I'm the founder of Shaper 3D, and um, I've been working in this for six years now. Um, yeah, six years. But actually, uh, this is something that has a much longer history. Um, actually, I've been working on this for more than 10 years now, but the company is six years old. I bootstrapped the company initially. I had another cat startup 10 years ago that miserably failed, and we could consider that also as a predecessor of Shaper. So um, I kind of feel like quite, quite obsessed with solving this this problem, <laughs> and I guess I just won't stop until I do. And where did this inspiration into the cat space come from? Um, from family dinners from my childhood, I guess. So uh, I'm from a family of engineers and architects, and um, like talking about CAD. Not really talking. All they talked about on family dinners were CAD tools, yeah. how sucky yeah. they are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I mean, complaining about CAD was a was a thing. I mean, I guess in, you know, like in Eastern Europe, we like to complain in general about everything, but complaining about CAD was <laughs> was something that we particularly like to do. And um, you know, I just uh, grew up with all that pain and suffering that legacy CAD systems <laughs> caused to my family. And I guess this is just my childhood trauma that I'm trying to fix uh, with Shaper. Your family now uses Shaper? Are they like good product users? Um, so my, my parents retired, uh, unfortunately, so they don't. But my brother is actually using Shaper. Is he complaining? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> not about Shaper. <laughs> well, some, he's, he's, he's making some really awesome feature requests uh, sometimes, and uh, he used to shape the roadmap quite uh, significantly in, their, in the early days. And can you tell us what Shaper does? What's CAD? Sure. Uh, so CAD stands for computer-aided design. So these softwares or these tools are a, like a wide range of different software that uh, usually solve all sorts of architectural and engineering problems. And it's funny because CAD means computer-aided design, but traditional CAD tools are really not design tools. They tend to be uh, uh, computer-aided documentation tools, so they are much more focused on, on the documentation um, part, uh, manufacturing documentation or, or uh, documentation part of the business or, or, or product design workflow. And uh, this is one of the unique differentiators of Shaper is that we started as a conceptual design tool that is focusing much more on the early stages of the design process, conceptual design, prototyping, ideation, and step by step we are, you know, like we are adding more and more and more to the product to cover more and more of the design process. And uh, this way, sneakily, step by step, we are becoming a, a, a full feature tool that can cover the entire uh, design process without anyone realizing it. It's happening. Yes. <laughs> And in which industries? What are some of the like major use cases? So we are. Um, so there are two major types of CAD. Um, one of them is AEC, so architecture, basically. And we are not doing that. We are focusing on MCAD, which is short for mechanical CAD. But actually, mechanical CAD is is a like is a it's a broader category. It's not just for mechanical engineering, but also for product design. So basically, we are focusing on on product design manufacturing engineering use cases. 
Um, and, um, and we are, interestingly, so basically what we did is we uh, dramatically lowered the barrier of entry to, uh, to 3D design um, the, with, the, with the way how we design the product. And that enables us to, to monetize a much broader customer base than traditional CAT can. So we have a, a significant prosumer, consu um, prosumer hobbyist customer base. And but what's a prosumer? Prosumer. So prosumer is someone, I, I think there is no good definition for it, but basically someone who is not, not just a consumer or hobbyist, but also not necessarily a, a, a professional. So these people very often make money out of out of a Shaper 3D, and they are using it for for creating something that they will eventually sell. But you wouldn't really consider them like businesses, or but they are very very small like businesses, like one man shows, right? Um, so we are we have a significant um, uh, customer base in the prosumer space, and we also have a, a pretty significant B two B customer base, um, and um, and we are actually like step by step moving up market and uh, expanding mostly our B2B customer base. It, it's funny how you said mechanical CAD because I did, for, I was, I'm a, unfortunately I'm a civil engineer, hated CAD, and then worst, uh, I did sustainable project management masters. After that, uh, I did mechanical engineering, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, plumbing, designing all of that. I, uh, I, I can't come I to your family for dinner. You, actually. I can't <laughs> come to your family dinner and complain. I yeah, can yeah. be one of those people. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, like, look like this industry is one of the last big software industries in the world that has not been disrupted since the 1990s, and it's quite quite amazing. I mean, even even in ERP, which is one of the oldest software categories, even there you have, you know, like at least more modern solutions. Maybe the industry did not transform completely, but you have something that is new and modern. In CAD, you you really don't. Yeah, it's uh, and it's it and a lot of companies try to disrupt the industry. There was, there was for example, Onshape. They raised a quarter billion dollars, two hundred fifty million dollars, uh, founded by the founders of SolidWorks, um, and they ended up with a, with a few thousand paying customers. Got acquired by PTC. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that they disrupted the the industry. PTC is the construction company. Right? PTC, no, PTC is Parametric Technology Corporation. They invented parametric CAD in the 1970s, 80s, 1980s, and such, um, a, such a fun topic. Yeah, I mean, I could talk about it probably for <laughs> 10 hours, I guess. Um, uh, so anyway, so they they got aware of PTC. There was another company called Space Claim. They raised 100 million dollars. They ended up with a few thousand paying customers, and then and there's a long, long list of failed CAD companies in the last 30 years, and then there's Shaper. We, so far, we raised like 10 million or so, and we have more than 40,000, 40,000 paying customers, and we are by far the fastest growing cat company in the last 30 years. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really interesting space, and it looks like we have figured out how to like be that company that will eventually define this industry for the next few decades. 40,000 customers, obviously I want to dig into paying, that. Yeah, 40,000 paying. 40,000 yeah. paying customers, questions. How many non-paying customers? What's the churn like? What's the growth like? Oh, is What's this the a due diligence? Like? Or <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want access to our data room? Or um, Yeah, so we have, we have hundreds of thousands of, of uh, monthly active free users. Um, and we have uh, much more downloads than that, that, but that's not really the metric that, that we, are, we are tracking. Um, like, uh, 
Yeah, what, what, what else did you ask? Like, um, growth. Uh, growth, yeah, growth, that thing, yeah. <laughs> um, so we are doing well. We are, we are the fastest growing um, cat company, not just today, but in the last 30 years. But uh, competition isn't not, is not that good in terms of growth. Not anymore because we outcompeted them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but um, and yeah, like that by itself is not a super high bar, but we are even compared to you know, like other SaaS uh, companies, we are doing quite well. And as far as I know, you're the only product-led growth company in the CAD space. Um, a, is that correct? And B, do you think you'll be able to sustain that advantage longer? Or do you see new, either new players popping up with similar strategies or existing legacy players trying a similar strategy, more of a bottoms-up approach? Yeah, I think that's, that's correct. Um, despite, despite pretty much every other cat startup tried to do the same, <laughs> and all of them failed. And that's mostly mostly because mostly because when you are building for PLG as a distribution model, the, your product is the distribution engine as well. And if you just take a legacy cat product, or if you follow legacy product management practices, or if you think about the product as something that will be handed over to the customer by a salesperson, right, then you will just fail. I mean, you have to build the product with go-to-market intent in your mind, and that requires a completely different approach to building a product. And building a CAT system is, by itself, any kind of CAT system is not for the faint-hearted, to be honest. It's enormously hard. It's really it's one of the hardest software to build uh, in the world. And making it easy makes it like ten times harder. <laughs> and improving, like in, like including the, the go-to-market intent, is again like a ten x multiplier on how hard it is to build. So yeah, we are we are tackling something really really complex here. And what are some of the wow effects to the customer? What makes them tick, and then it becomes much more of a viral product, whereas your competitors have zero product virality except for your dinners. Yeah, I guess you're referring to our legendary Instagram account, right? Where we have 360,000 followers. We built a pretty significant. You can't build a business out of that. Like, we, become an influencer. Actually, like, yes. We have food recommendations, true, smoothies. True. We have more more followers, more social media followers than Autodesk, <laughs> and probably their marketing budget is more than our entire budget. I thought you were gonna say something yeah. like Beyonce or something, uh, and then you said Autodesk. No, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 the next level, I guess. Uh, next frontier for our social media team. Um, no, so we, so we have a pretty significant customer um, uh, follower base, and that's mostly because because uh, because of the visuality of the product. It's um, like CAD lives in people's mind as a really old very traditional software. And we built something that that is, at the first glance, it's super differentiated. You just look at it and, oh, okay, so this looks like a 3D CAD, but, oh, wow, is it running on a, on a tablet? Is it running on a mobile device? Oh, I can use it with, with you know, like with touch and, and pen, and, oh, okay, like this has all sort of like features that that look that look like like super modern, but like these these are not something that exists in a traditional CAD system. So this is what helped us uh, a lot in the early days with distribution. Um, I wouldn't say that it's the primary customer acquisition channel for us anymore. It's quite still quite significant, and we are still investing in that. But definitely the um, the uh, the super cool visual appearance of the product helps us a lot in the early days. And compared to a company that that's raised $10 million, you have a huge team and 40,000 customers, which means 
you have to be extremely profitable and unit economics positive. Can you walk us through that? How profitable are you? How are the current unit economics? What's a healthy unit economic for you guys? Sure. So, um, so if you so building a PLG company is hard. I would say it's probably harder than than building a, a sales-led company in many ways. But if you nail it, then you will be super cash efficient. So this is basically the 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 secret um, of of PLG companies is, is that if if you manage to get a product-based distribution. Um, then your unit economics are going to be fantastic. Uh, that will make you super cash efficient, and that will also make you highly contrarian in the in the early 2010s. So that was one of the reasons why we actually uh, had a really hard time raising money in the in 2015-16 when you know like when when PLG was not a thing yet. Today, every, everybody is PLG. Everyone, like every single company in the world, is now PLG. Uh, I kind of hated the term. I'm not. I don't even use it to be honest because of that. What do you say? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure you have your own nomenclature for that. I'm usually. I, I'm just using like um, bottom-up distribution. I, I, I usually, when I talk about it, I just want the other person to say it instead of you know. <laughs> <Makes> <laughs> um, but um, but yeah. So so PLG gets you very efficient distribution, um, and um, because of that, our our unit economics are quite fantastic. Our payback period on many channels are, are it's like super short. It's like- How short? Three like months, six months? Zero months, so it's immediate. But that's bad, no? Because an investor wouldn't want a couple month payback period. We actually want 10 to 12 month payback period, which means you're pushing aggressively enough for growth. Yeah, this is not all of our channels, of course. So eventually you look at CAC on a blended basis, but on some, so on some channels we are super efficient and we can use that to invest in channels that are a, a bit less efficient. These are more like capped channels that are not highly scalable. So it's like, ev like every channel is capped. There is no infinitely scalable channel in the world, right? Um, so yes, like some of them are capped, um, but um, yeah, you know, like um, eventually, what you look at is the blended CAC, and still, for in terms of blended CAC, we are our payback period is well below a year, um, and we just launched our Windows um, product um, a month ago. That will it sounds so boring when you say a Windows product. Right? Comes right. Yeah, comes with the right. brand. Nothing the cool. No, nothing cool is here. Yeah. So we just launched our Windows product that is going to 10x or 10, and that will. Um, make our distribution even more efficient. How many of you know what a payback period is for a SaaS company? I mean, excluding you two, <laughs> you three. Um, so payback period is basically, if you've spent $100 for um, customer acquisition today, how long would it take you to recoup that $100? And um, companies look at it on a blended basis um, because there are different channels that have different payback periods. And then the blended CAC was the blended um, customer acquisition cost for Shaper, basically. Um, it took you four years to raise what would today be more like a seed round. I mean, it took a while, which is what you mentioned. And you said that it's because investors didn't understand PLG, and then all of a sudden PLG became hot. Is that why? Um, yes and no. But you mean like it was a seed round six months ago, right? Today. Again, it's a decent series. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So... Um, so yes, like uh, we had, I, I think in the early days, it was super, super tough for us. One of them was indeed the distribution model that, that we were super bullish on. I, um, we were a bit ahead of time, I think, um, three or four years maybe, when 
uh, this this distribution was really not that widespread and not that not that popular. We were super bullish on it. This was one issue. The other issue is that investors were saying that look, this is awesome. I love the vision. This is great. There is no way that you can build a CAD system. It's just impossible. You can't build a CAD system. Investors so, know so much about building CAD systems. Uh, no, they asked their friends who know a lot about CAD system, and like the, I think the. Um, the general view in the industry is that all these legacy CAD companies are super safe because it's impossible to build a CAD system. And honestly, they are not wrong. It's close to impossible. So it, you, you, if, if you want to build like an actual like replacement product that will kill legacy CAD companies or legacy CAD systems, it will take you seven, eight, nine years. Um, so you have to find you know, a way to position yourself somehow differently, somehow not as a replacement tool, but something else. And you also need a segue from that product to become like a replacement tool. And I, like this was, this is I think like the biggest strategic advantage of Shaper is that we, we figured this out. Like how can we build something that is smaller, not necessarily a replacement tool initially, and how can we transition from that tool to become an actual replacement tool. And but like quite frankly, and, and in all transparency, we are still not, a full feature replacement tool yet. In 18 months, maybe 12 months, we will get there. And you can go segment by segment, vertical by vertical, persona by persona, and you can get there. But it's enormously hard. And you know, like building a company that requires eight years of financing without much proof that they can eventually like build something that really, really large, it's tough. Yeah. Something that you said um, resonated with me. You said that you were perhaps three, four years too early to the market, and I think that's that's a great thing, that's a blessing, because um, obviously centuries in Europe has a lot of good engineering talent, it's much more cost, cost efficient compared to the US, et cetera, but 200 countries are more cost efficient compared to the US, so how you can turn that into an advantage, and that's a strategy that we employ a lot as a fund, is we have the leverage to be too early to a market. A US investor or a US team needs to build the right product with the right team, but timing is also crucial. They have to be at the right time. They can't sustain in the market for five years and wait for the market to mature, and then they'll be good positioned. It would take millions of dollars, whereas from this part of the world, we can. So as a thesis that we have, which is core to our fund, we are not scared if we're too early to the market, as long as we know that we can sustain for four, five, six years into the market, and when the right time comes, we'll be positioned much like how Shaper was positioned today. Actually, I think with the product, we were not too early. It was our distribution model that was not widely understood. Uh, that that was indeed a problem. And I'm not, so I'm I'm a product engineering founder, right? I'm not not a, not a GTM founder. I learned GTM um, the hard way, <laughs> um, but um, but my my that's my not my natural strength. Um, and for me, explaining how we think about go-to-market in the early days, that was super tough. Super, super tough. And now, yeah, now you can ju just say that we are PLG, and everyone knows what, what that is. But 2015, you said that, oh, okay, so we are going to do it like this and that. But who is going to buy like that, right? How can you, how, how can you, how can you convince the decision maker? And like, yeah, now everyone is doing it. And after the Figma exit, cat space is obviously hotter than ever. Are you feeling it? Is it warm out there? I think there are a few people who think or who see that there are parallels between uh, between us and, and Figma, and I think in many ways that's right. Um, but it's a, it's a slightly different market. 
Um, and I think it's also, and I'm not, I'm not bragging, but I think it's a bit harder to build a 3D CAD system than, than building Figma. And building Figma is super hard already. Um, so there are not a lot of companies that are trying to do what we are doing. Actually, we are the last one standing. <laughs> um, every other company uh, from the last five to 10 years failed and they, or they just couldn't execute on, on this strategy. And, um, and yes, we are seeing, like answering the original question, because of that, we are seeing significant interest. Um, and I think this comparison is not, not wrong at all. And you have great investors from Europe, but have you tried fundraising from the US at all, or are you? I did, and it was the dumbest idea ever. I was super naive. I had no idea how fundraising works. Um, and this was in 2006, 2017, and that was a different world. So today, US investors, most US investors will easily write a check to a European company. That was very different in 2017. So actually in 2017, like the default was that we are going to invest if you move here tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, like two streets away from here. If you're and gonna move here yesterday. Yes, well. exactly. And 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 we have to you know like meet in person regularly. Um, that changed a lot, obviously. And I'm 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 not sure. So I think there is no going back. But um, but uh, we will see, right? It really depends on liquidity. I think if the liquidity on venture capital shrinks, then it's going to turn out to be, again, a proximity game. If there's too much competition, too much liquidity, then everyone is stepping on each other's foot, and you know, it becomes a global game. Sure, yeah. hopefully. Sure, sure. Yeah. We'll see. And what's next for Shaper? World domination. Uh, um, maybe not world, but, but industry domination. So that, I mean, that's really what we are, we are working on. So overall, what we what we want to achieve with Shaper is that we want to build a we want to build an enduring company. We want to build a generational company. We want to build a company that will define this industry, and that requires a lot of persistence and a lot of a lot of patience and a lot of you know like uh, long term thinking. Um, and I think the some of the or many of the investments that we made maybe uh, two, three, four, five years ago are now coming into fruition. And in the next couple of years, we are going to harvest a lot of that. And that's super exciting, to be honest. One last question. Another big round coming soon? Round? No. Is it possible to raise today? Of course. Is it? Really? Yeah, being a company like Shaper, really? an entrepreneur like uh, you, of okay. course. No, that's too kind of you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. You know, it's a, it's a difficult market environment, I guess. And also fundraising is not, as Valin said, fundraising is not a goal but a tool. So you have to have a very specific goal, especially at this stage. I mean, just raising for the sake of raising, you shouldn't do it. You should raise because you can achieve more with it and there's nothing that you can, you know, like there's nothing that you should celebrate about selling some of your shares, right? Um, what you should celebrate is the opportunities that a new round opens up. And if there will be opportunities that we can seize using a new round, we will raise. If not, then we will just go without it. Thank you. Thanks a lot for joining. Thank you very much. To stay in the loop, go to our website, getcc.com, 
or follow us at GetCC'd on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube.